Winter is coming. Well, the leaves are turning, the days are getting shorter, and the pumpkins are in fact beginning to spice. And you are listening to Colorado Water Talk. My name is Eric Skye. I'm joined with my co-host Ben Wade. I don't like pumpkin spice, but hello. And Katie Weeman. Good morning. I love pumpkin spice. On today's episode, we're going to be talking to CWCB's new director. For those of you that don't know, on August 22nd, during the Summer Colorado Water Congress Conference in Steamboat, the Department of Natural Resources and CWCB announced that Lauren Riss was selected as the new director of the Colorado Water Conservation Board. Lauren is an experienced water policy expert and no stranger to the CWCB. No stranger indeed. She previously held the position of deputy director of the CWCB since 2017. Uh, So we all know, we all love her around here. We're going to give all of you listening the chance to get to know her more and find out her top priorities for water challenges in the state. So welcome, Lauren. Thanks, guys. I'm glad to be on. Thanks for being on with us today, Lauren. Uh, So we really love to kick off our podcast by getting to know our guests' uh, backgrounds a little bit more. So uh, can you tell us, how did you first get into the water policy space and uh, what ultimately brought you here to the CWCB? Oh, I'd love to talk about that. So I grew up in Colorado. I'm a native and with my family, spent a lot of time in Colorado's mountains, hiking and skiing, camping, um, recreating along rivers and lakes. And from an early age, I think just really recognized that Colorado was special in that way. So when I left for college, I went to the Pacific Northwest primarily because I thought that it had really a similar ethic to Colorado in terms of interest in natural resources and being able to get out and about in the mountains and forested areas of of Oregon. And the bonus, you have the ocean, of course, in the Pacific Northwest. But with that comes a lot of rain, which as a native Coloradan used to uh, this arid climate was a challenge for me. But Ended up being an English major, an environmental science major in undergrad at Willamette University, which is a small liberal arts school up there. And I think, you know, my recreational interests really started to translate into more of an intellectual curiosity about just how important natural resources are, and especially water is to so many different sectors, no matter where you live. And I think that's specifically true in Colorado. So from college, I went to graduate school at the University of Michigan, go blue, and uh, got a master's degree in environmental science and policy. And my first real job in the industry was working back in the Pacific Northwest in Seattle, where I worked on developing a recovery plan for Chinook salmon. And that to me was just an amazing experience. And in a lot of ways, really similar to some of the questions that we struggle with in Colorado, which is you have a limited resource and you have so many different sectors and economies that are dependent on that resource. And how do you how do you come to collaborative solutions where everybody wins? So I, I did eventually come back to Colorado after a, a stint in Washington, D.C., primarily because I, I think I realized that Colorado is amazing and there's really no place like it, I think, in, in the United States in terms of such a spectacular climate all the opportunities, the great opportunities here for recreating and and living and also just the diversity of of the economy here. You know, you have a lot of innovation happening. I think recently, especially around the kind of the technology sector, you also have such a strong agricultural economy with a 
$50 billion imprint in Colorado. And I just think it's a fascinating place to work and an amazing place to live. So I'm super excited to be living where I initially grew up and working on such important issues. Well, I think we're all glad that you came back from D.C. to help us out and work with us through all these years. So let's dive in with a really big picture question for you. What are the main water challenges that you see in Colorado right now? Yeah, I mean, I think we've had a really great water year with a great snowpack, but we here at CWCB know that it's going to take more than one year to get us out of the situation that we've been in for the last 20 or so, which have been the, the driest on record. So I think, you know, looking ahead, we we can expect more variability. We know that the climate is changing. We're looking at a hotter, drier future with more people coming to the state of Colorado who need water to live and work here. So I think first and foremost, that's the biggest challenge is how how do we meet a growing demand with a dwindling supply? And I think, you know, there are a variety of other issues that kind of stem from that core problem. Watershed health is critical in Colorado to, to providing access to clean drinking water. And, and of course, having healthy forests is also related to water supply. When we have when we have drier forests, they're more likely to burn. And when we see large forest fires like we have in the past several years, that impacts our streams and lakes and reservoirs in Colorado in terms of increased sediment and water quality issues that result from those from those fires. So, you know, I think watershed health is super important. We also need to make sure that that we have adequate storage and infrastructure available to meet the needs of retiming water supply. And we're seeing snow melt earlier and earlier every year as a result of climate change. And we need to make sure that we have the storage and infrastructure available to capture water when it's available. You know, we're all, I think, increasingly aware of the challenges as it relates to the Colorado River. That's been in the news a lot lately. And I think Colorado as a headwater state plays a really critical role in kind of charting the future for how we respond to what's going on on the Colorado River. And I think we're lucky to have Commissioner Becky Mitchell still at the helm of those discussions and negotiations. And, you know, we here at CWCB just really plan to work in tandem with all of her efforts as it relates to Colorado River policy. So we want to build on that. And Colorado is, as you mentioned, just have a number of water challenges right now. Let's pull back a little bit. I know you talked, uh, you made some comments uh, earlier about what, what you think makes Colorado special. Can you, can you dive into a little bit more on that? water-wise at least? Yeah, I mean, I think first and foremost, what makes Colorado special are the people that live here. I really feel like we Coloradans embody this Western ethic of leaning into tough challenges. You know, we have a pretty gritty history relating back to the days of mining and, and how our prior appropriation system of water rights really first started in this state. We've always had to make do with scarcity and try and figure out how to come together and figure out tough problems. And I just think that continues today. The people that are involved in the water space are just amazing, smart, creative people. And I, I just feel so lucky that we have the community that we do in Colorado as it relates to water. I think that's, honestly, that's our, our biggest resource as we are trying to meet these challenges and, and chart a more resilient future is our, our human capacity in Colorado 
to really innovate and be creative and come together to solve these difficult problems. I really believe that. And, you know, you see a lot of that and just how we're structured in Colorado as it relates to water policy. We have basin roundtables that provide a forum for local conversations where, you know, anybody can come into the room and pitch an idea for a project. And there's a pot of money dedicated for, for funding water projects around the state that are specifically recommended by these basin roundtables. I just think that um, structure is so important in Colorado. But then of course, the other things that make us special are, are that we're a headwater state. So the Colorado River supplies water to 19 states downstream and Mexico. And you know that's, that's a really unique feature in the West here that we get to claim in Colorado. I also think just the, you know, the push and pull between urban development and agriculture and environment and recreation is so important to so many people in Colorado. They really hang their hat on any one of those things being why they live here. And I think there's room for all to coexist. And it's really what makes Colorado an amazing place to live. We also get to say that we have two tribal nations that live in Colorado with the Southern Ute and the Ute Mountain Ute. And that's a really important perspective in Colorado. And I think, you know, we've worked really hard at the CWCB to develop and foster those relationships. And I, I look forward to continuing that as well. Great. Thanks, Lauren. So, you know, you gave us a great overview on the challenges, but also the opportunities that, you know, are in our state with the, the position that Colorado is in right now. And you've spoken before about how one of your major priorities moving forward in your role is continuing the momentum of the Colorado Water Plan. So can you tell us a little bit more about that and why that's important and why that's a priority for you? Yeah, I'm sure everybody that's listening to this podcast is well aware that we updated the Colorado Water Plan this last January, January of 2023, when it was adopted by our board and we had a lot of celebrations around the work that went into that. And that document, of course, was really a reflection of all the input and stakeholder feedback that we got from all 64 counties around the state of Colorado and all of the basin roundtables that I mentioned before, which is really what makes the water plan what it is and makes it actionable. So, you know, as, as we updated the water plan, we really did want to make it action oriented and as a result it's its core is 50 actions at the state that cwcb and our sister agencies have committed to implementing in order to put us on the path to a secure water future and 50 actions that we need our partners to take the helm and uh, work hand in hand with us towards um, implementing so I think that really is my number one priority is to make good on the commitments that are in that document and to see those projects completed. And I think part of that work is, is telling the story of what we're doing, because I think we, we, can, we can do things within CWCB and we can fund projects, but we're doing all of us and all of Colorado a disservice if we're not sharing the lessons that we've learned from that. And if we're not, you know, getting the word out about the important work that is taking place to position us well for our future, because it's just so important for, for all, all of our success. So that is for sure one of my major priorities. I, I'm also really excited that we're starting to see CWCB staff more embedded in the communities around Colorado. We have recently, within the last year, hired grant managers that are living and working in the communities of Colorado, which I think is so important to have 
a face and a representative in, in the basins where stakeholders know who to reach out to and know that that person is familiar with the with the challenges and opportunities in that basin. So I really want to continue that that movement towards better integration with communities all around Colorado, getting us out of this Denver bubble and into some of the more rural parts of the state where, you know, frankly, there are a lot of water water challenges that that we need to kind of help support. So I think, you know, on a on a big picture, those are my those are my priorities for sure. Thanks, Lauren. And you've also spoken about the need to find creative solutions, things that would allow us to maximize every drop of water in Colorado. For example, increasing municipal conservation efforts and removing barriers that impede water sharing agreements. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, doubling down on some of the municipal conservation is is really important. I think we, we realize in the water world that it's not going to be just municipal conservation that saves the day. It's a really important piece of the puzzle, but there are many pieces. And I think, you know, ultimately we do need to be doing everything we can to make the best and and highest use out of the water that we have available to us. And earlier this year, Governor Polis appointed an urban landscape transformation task force that's taking a really hard look at how we can do better in what we've started to call Colorado scaping, which is using native, more drought tolerant plants in our landscaping and urban settings to make sure that we're being responsible stewards of the resource. You know, the other, the other piece to that is CWCB has, within the last year, launched a turf replacement program that's been wildly successful, where we're partnering with utilities to provide incentives for the removal of non-functional turf. So the turf that really is only walked on when it's being mowed and doesn't really serve a greater purpose. We're trying to work, work with our partners to, to make sure that that can be replaced with more resilient landscaping. And I think we're hopeful that, that some version of that program will continue into the future once we're able to identify a funding source and some of the staffing resources that are needed to, to carry that forward. And then the other side of the equation, of course, is agriculture which is the sector that uses 90% of the water in Colorado. You know, it also provides a $50 billion economic input to, to Colorado. So it's, it's hugely important. You mentioned water sharing agreements. I do think those are, are really important tools that we need to take a look at how we can make more accessible and easier for both agricultural operators and municipalities to use. And so these are agreements that allow water to be shared during times when agricultural operators aren't irrigating, they can send that water to municipalities to use while still continuing to have viable agricultural operations. So it's really really a collaborative arrangement between ag and municipalities where both can both can see the benefit. You know, I think there's there's other work that we can do to support agricultural operators that are interested in seeing efficiency improvement projects in their operations and, and even experimenting with switching to lower water use crops. I think the, the important thing around agricultural water use is that, you know, it really does need to be voluntary. We need to support the economic investment that that community has already put into their operations. And I think our role at the CWCB is to help encourage some of the best practices and 
provide some funding and incentives around in event, uh, innovation and piloting projects to see if, if there are some creative alternatives that can make agricultural water use a little bit more efficient. Hey, Lauren, as with anything in the water world, real change and real progress takes time and takes collaboration with various partners. And you talked about finding a win-win solution when working with others and just the diversity of the partners that we do work with. So many of our listeners may not be familiar with your work as deputy director. So now as the director, can you talk about how you plan to work with uh, partners across the state? And previously you mentioned working with Becky. And what do you think that role will look like as she's moved into her full-time commissioner role? So maybe just by way of background, what happened over the last legislative session is that the role of the Colorado River Commissioner was split out from the role of the CWCB director position. So lucky for us, we didn't lose Becky. She's just better able to focus on Colorado River issues and negotiations, which is such a, a huge workload and is how I was able to step in as the director. So I've liked to say in the past that water is a team sport, and I, I really do believe that. It takes all of us moving forward in the, in the same direction to make progress. And you know I think as the water plan notes, we at the state can't do it alone. We don't own water projects. We're you know, 50 amazing staff people, big, that are hugely talented and accomplish a lot. But, but when it comes to the, the work on the ground that actually needs to, to take place, you know, we play the role, I like to say, most often as kind of cheerleaders. We try and facilitate the hard conversations and bring people to the table and provide technical expertise and guidance on projects. And then, of course, we have money. We do have a significant uh, amount of funding that goes towards our water project loan program and our water plan grant program, among a couple of other different grant programs that we have available. And so I think our job is to really make sure that we're funding projects that provide the highest and best use of the public funding that, that we contribute to those projects and to make sure that we have multiple stakeholders and multiple benefits are achieved through the work that's being done. And I, you know, I just really think that the, so much of the value that we provide to the state of Colorado and the community is, is really being the conduit for information, both from the roundtables, from nonprofits, from utilities, and making sure that everybody's talking to, to each other and that we're seeing opportunities that, that others might not be aware of just because of, of kind of where we're positioned at the state level and connecting people to the opportunities that are best suited for their projects and goals. So partners are critical. I think we, we, can't, we can't get nearly the, the work that's needed accomplished without our partners throughout the state of Colorado and the federal government for that matter. Excellent, thanks Lauren. So uh, we've talked about a lot of important stuff today, a lot of serious stuff. So let's end sort of on a, a funner note. Do you have a favorite place in Colorado, favorite body of water, uh, favorite water-related recreation activity that, that you've done recently? Yeah, for sure. Growing up here in Colorado, I spent a lot of time in Rocky Mountain National Park and so have a lot of pictures and family memories related to the Big Thompson River and also just have a soft spot for Salida, Colorado, where the Arkansas River 
comes through town and there's just a great river walk there and kayak course. And I just think that, you know, the fact that Salida is right on the banks of the Arkansas just makes it a really special place and kind of the heart of the community there is about water-based recreation. So if I had to pick those, those two places come to mind, I think, I think though my favorite water-based recreational activity, if I can call it, call it that is skiing on our largest reservoir that is our snowpack in Colorado. I started skiing at a young age and that continues to be one of my favorite things to do in Colorado. So I'm excited it's fall. That means winter's coming. Speaking of fall, Lauren, last question for me. As we look ahead to fall 2024, I'm curious to know if Rob Veal, who's our section chief for the in-stream flows section, if he is in any danger of disciplinary actions from you by bringing up the Miracle in Michigan anniversary. And for those who are not football nerds like myself, those, uh, that is the anniversary where the CU Buffs beat the Michigan Wolverines in Ann Arbor on an iconic Hail Mary throw by Cordell Stewart and then caught by Michael Westbrook. If he brings that up at any point next year, is he in trouble? Is he in your doghouse? Oh, yeah. Rob is definitely in hot water. No, actually, if you know me, you know that I don't know anything about football. I'm so sorry to disappoint you, Ben. I can I can pretend all day that I'm a huge Wolverines fan, but the reality is that I went to one football game when I was at the University of Michigan, and I have quite a few family members that live in Ohio and are Ohio State fans, and so I was like the black sheep for the entirety of the time that I lived in Ann Arbor. But you have... But you have two years of bragging rights over your Ohio relatives. Well, they're number two in the country. So hold that over Rob right now because I think the buffs are on the rise. So I'm definitely going to, I'm definitely going to bring it up to Rob. Okay. And I'm going to, I'm going to pretend like I'm a huge, I'm a huge football fan and hopefully he doesn't listen to this podcast to learn otherwise. I love it. Oh, I was supposed to tie that back to uh, water policy. I will say when they played that game in 1994, it was on functional turf, by the way. Natural grass. There we go. What are my bonus points, by the way? You get two bonus points. That's fair. I was going to award him no bonus points and shame. Oh. Well, with the end of the CWCB sports segment, Lauren, thank you so, so much for being on the podcast. Listeners, if there's anything I want you to take away from this, it's that the CWCB is in good hands. So thank you again for your time and for talking with us today. I'm happy to be here and I love this job. I love this agency. I think the work we do is so important. So it's really kudos to the staff. And that's a wrap for this episode of Colorado Water Talk. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, if you have any feedback for the podcast, please go to cwcb.colorado.gov. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at cwcb underscore DNR.